it's just, it's already kind of a boring sport, right? Like you go forward, <laughs> you come back, you go forward, you come back. Like there's no moves. There's like, there's nothing really going on. Like, you know, and yeah. so like, a little I, bit of drama would be sick. I blacked out. I don't know. I, that's how you debate. <laughs> what, what happened? I don't even, I don't even know. What did I say? I'll watch the tape. Show me somebody who's never failed and I'll show you somebody who's slow. Right, show me somebody who uh, PRs on every erg test, and I'll show you somebody with a really bad erg score. I mean. Okay, when I first started the sport of rowing, no one told me this, and this is like the number one misunderstanding I had. I thought. I'm Alex Del Sordo, and I'm here, another coach is yelling. You see some familiar faces and some faces that are rowing legends happening here in the United States today, but this is episode 15. And I have two of the founding members with me today of the first ever Coaches Yelling. Before we even started, we can't believe that we're at number 15 already. Now, this is no different. If you like or dislike what these people have to say, send us your feedback, give us your comments, okay? I think there's gonna be, we're gonna be talking about some training aspects to rowing. And, and I think that everyone's gonna have an opinion here today. We're gonna start with an intro, like I always do here. I got Mike Wallen, the ED, a Chicago Rowing Foundation. This guy's won, I don't know how many coaches yellings at this point, uh, but he's up against a wall today with some serious rowers. Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, good to be back. It's, uh, it's actually warm in Chicago and I've been allowed out of my house a couple times. It's, it's fun, feeling good. And you know, I gotta think, I think you might be undefeated sleeveless, so the, the force is with you today, man. This is gonna I'm be in my true, my true form. <laughs> That's right. Uh, next up, uh, th this guy, you know the Graves family, okay? If you're a rower in the United States, you know who this guy is. 2010 Trinity grad, uh, soccer and rowing. So we got like this dual sport thing. He's been to the world championships since 2014. Never really won it outside of the U.S. So John, you know, come on, man. You got to pick up the pace here for the United States. Yeah. But you won the Lotman Challenge and you've won a ton of rowing races here in the United States. Welcome to our show. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, this is great. I'm in uh, Boston right now and um, trying to get uh, back into things after a little little COVID uh, COVID break from training. And um, yeah, this is sweet to be around some some rowers and talk rowing. Well, we're going to talk about uh, rowing quite a bit. And welcome to the show. Next up. Uh, I'm going to warn you three gentlemen here. Grace has the same name as my daughter. So she already is like number one for me today. And Luke knows how this works. Okay. <laughs> He's up against it. Grace Luzak, let's see her, three-time world champion, Olympian, Olympic rower, hopefully going to be in the 2020, 2021 Olympics, uh, NCAA You do nothing but win. Welcome to the show. Well, I also decided to rock sleeveless today, so game on. <laughs> Gun show. Well, welcome to the show. Um, I hope you're excited to go up against uh, these guys here. Again, two of them have competed quite a bit uh, in our competition. But Always respect your competition. Oh, I like that. I like that. Now, next up, the last time he was on, he won the founder of Rower Academy, uh, this guy, Cal Bear, just like Wallen over there, has been the Olympics. This guy knows rowing inside and out. Luke Walton, welcome back to the show. Uh, thanks for having me. And yes, I do know how this works. So thank you for gifting me one win. 
so that you can invite me back to use me what you traditionally use me for to have me finish somewhere in the middle to the back of the pack. So I, I, I imagine that's where I'll end up today, but we'll see. We'll see. Now, listen, this is, but these are topics you know very well. Okay, now we're gonna get right into it um, with Mike Waller. We're gonna start with him, the guy that has been on the show many times. The question for you, Mike, and let me get my clock ready too. What is the biggest difference between training high school athletes and college athletes? What is the biggest difference? You are on the clock. I'm sad to be going first because I know that you guys are going to say volume. Um, and that's something that should be true, but isn't always true. I, my high school team, St. Joe's Prep, outvolumed uh, many college teams, and I think they still do. They certainly outvolumed the work we did at Cal. Um, I think the, one of the biggest issues is they're not with their parents anymore. They don't have mom and dad at home. They're not going home to a familiar place. They don't have their dinner you know, and all that stuff planned out for them. They don't have, uh, you know, governance over their decision-making process. And that can be a positive or negative thing. Um, if their bodies are a lot different. There's, a, there's not gonna be a lot of physical changes from a 20 to 21 year old versus a 15 to a 16 year old. I mean, kids can grow five inches in a summer. Um, and that, you know, that's a big part of the reason why the volume should be lower in high school across the board. Um, and then the other thing, the athletes are grouped people with people similar to them. In high school, it's you're subject to your school or your area. Uh, when you go to a, a program, typically the other recruits are of the same ability level. So that can make or break a lot of people, especially if you were the alpha dog back home. Now you're with all the other alpha dogs and you know some people are gonna thrive and, and get faster from that environment. Other people are gonna completely break down, uh, not be able to handle it. Uh, you always know how to end before 90 seconds. I love it. Now guys, listen, John, you're up next. You have to speak clearly, confident, and quickly in 90 seconds. He did it He did it in a minute and 15. John, you're on the clock here, ready? I, I'm gonna repeat the question. What's the difference between high school training and college training? You're on the clock. Uh, I mean, I've never met Mike before, but um, you know, I'm, I'm just, I think that was just a fantastic answer. I know this is not gonna get me any points, but Mike really hit a lot of nails on the head, so. My number one thing was going to be parents. Like you don't have your parents in college. And like, that is honestly the biggest thing. And I think you just don't realize in high school, how much um, they do for you and how much outside of the boathouse, you know, things are taking logistics are taken care of. Everything's taken care of nutrition, mm -hmm. sleep. Um, all those things are not in your control. Like they're taking care of for you. And then all of a sudden you're on a college campus and all of a sudden you need to, you control, the things outside of training that help you get faster. And um, that's a really big challenge as a freshman coming into a new environment. Um, and I think also there's probably a bigger um, disconnect between you, you do more training in college compared to um, more training and less racing in college, I would say. Um, in high school, you do maybe less training and more racing, which is a little more fun. And so I think you have to be really, um, you kind of have to fall in love with the sport a little bit and enjoy the process a little bit more or learn how to because, um, you know, you have to, I think grinding through winter training is kind of, um, at least for me, like going to college was the first time I had to train through the winter and that was, that was a big change. Time. Now, when you get timed out, John, you get muted. So you're done talking. Not bad. I mean, you scored four points to Mike six, but again, going first, you kind of have your advantage. Grace, you're, you're in now. So NCAA champion. Um, I know you rode in high school. You're, you're at the Olympic level. What is the biggest difference between high school training 
and the college training experience. You're on the clock. Uh, summing it up in one word, it's just more. Um, I rode in a public high school and then rode at University of Michigan and then at Stanford. Um, you really have to, like everyone's been saying, it's you become in charge of everything. You're the time management keeper. You're in charge of your nutrition. You're in charge of, you know, uh, figuring out the time, commuting to practice, bringing all your clothes with you, timing out, um, you know, making sure you get all your homework done, that you can stay up late for the group projects, scheduling that nap in the middle of the day. Um, so, but all in all, going to college and rowing there, you have the opportunity to go faster. It's more training. There's more on your plate, but honestly, rowing in college for me was so amazing because you meet all these incredible driven people within your sport. And then you have the opportunity to balance back and forth. Um, and rowing practice itself kind of adds in that structure. Um, so I think that, I mean, I think people definitely should consider that if they're thinking about rowing in college. And if you're a junior rower, make sure that you start communicating with coaches now, fill out questionnaires, start talking to people. You can reach out to people like myself and John on Instagram. Sorry, John, I just offered you up. <laughs> um, but definitely consider that. And I think it's a great decision to row in college. I'm going to stop you there. So uh, something to think about uh, is the intensity of the practice higher or lower versus college or high school, you know, thing to think about. And, and I think a lot of these high school kids that are watching want to know this. Luke, coming in clean up here, number four, um, you know, you deal with this on a daily basis, training these athletes at Rower Academy. Let's bring Luke off. Luke, you know the question, you're on the clock. Yeah, I think, uh, I think everybody covered some really, really good points here. And, you know, Mike and I agree that volume, I, I mean, done right, volume is a, is a serious difference maker between what's happening in college what, and what's happening in high school and, and when to apply that and when people are ready. And uh, Mike alluded to it, but, you know, we actually did less volume at Cal than a lot of other programs and we were successful in doing it. So volume, you know, that's one thing. But I'd also say the commitment level. Like we always talk about in high school, there's sort of three basic buckets, right? You have those athletes that are there that really, really want to be there. Then you have those that are like, this is something fun and interesting to do. And yet it, uh, another bucket would be mom and dad are going crazy. Get out of the house. You've got to go do something. And we all know who those rowers were if we rode in high school. So when you get up into the collegiate level, it's much more, this is your commitment. You're there four years, see it through. This is a priority and you're balancing it with your academics. You know, it's student athlete. It's always student first but they're really kind of inseparable when you're trying to compete at a collegiate level. And so I, I think that's one of the things you're not missing practices. You're not, you know, taking vacations with the family. You're not doing a lot of those things. When you make a commitment to row at the collegiate level, you're committed to row at the collegiate level. And I think that's one of the biggest differences. So volume and commitment level, I think are the two major things. Uh, that's a difference jumping from high school to college. Man, well, uh, well you really, ever since getting married, my man, you've really, just eased out. I love it, man. Smooth criminal. Talking about that. I really like it. And I appreciate it. You brought the heat. Um, You're dead even with Wallen. Wow. Uh, Graves in uh, distant fourth with four points. Grace, you got one extra point, again, just because you share the name of my daughter. But we're going to get right back into Luke Walton here. Okay. So your, your second question is, and I like this question a lot. What can high school or college coaches do be doing better to prepare athletes to attempt the Olympic cycle? So what can we do as high school and college coaches to better prepare our athletes to be at that Olympic cycle 
and be Olympic ready. You are on the clock. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I think a lot of it is about, um, from a, from a coach perspective is being able to identify talent and being able to identify where on the spectrum that talent is. Um, and so there are things beyond straight up making the U19, the U23 or the senior national team. And, you know, it's about development camps. It's about high performance camps. It's about encouraging athletes who are not yet ready at whatever level it is, junior U23 or senior to find ways to continue to better themselves throughout specifically the summertime um, outside of the program so that they're continuing along their trajectory. And, and there are stories and stories that, you know, it, it's, it's an exception if a U19 athlete goes on to make the Olympic team. That's not the rule, right? In my mind, it's just not. And, and so knowing that it's about trying to figure out where people are along the spectrum. And there were guys that went to U23s, never made a U23 team, went on and uh, won a gold medal in 2004. So, you know, coming from smaller programs, not necessarily Princeton or Washington or Cal, but coming out of Ohio State or Virginia or things along those lines. So I think it's about identifying talent and really keeping avenues open for athletes to participate and better themselves along the spectrum so that when they're ready to be part of a senior team, or U19 or U23, they can go and participate there. Time, not bad. I really like that identifying the talent. Um, I think the US system does a very poor job of that. And I'm just, I'm just gonna say it right now. I just don't think that we do a great job. Grace, we're gonna bring you in now. Um, as someone that has worked her way up to the Olympic level, what can high school or college coaches do, be doing better to get their athletes ready for the Olympic cycle and training? You're on the clock. Oh, I think you have to look at how other countries operate um, to start off and how we do it within our sport of rowing within the U.S. and then also other sports. Uh, when you think about tennis or skiing in the high school level, there are some um, high school programs that where the academics are combined with the sport early on, like skiing up in New Hampshire. There are specific prep schools where kids will go to focus on their sport thinking about that Olympic dream. Um, same goes for tennis down in Florida. And when you think about other countries, um, China and Romania have similar subsystems where they'll identify talent at an early age. Um, I'm not sure that's a system that really works well um, within the US because I mean, sometimes kids are like plucked out um, and don't really have the opportunity to explore different sports. Um, but here for us, I think uh, along the lines of what Luke was saying, recruiting and developing, I was listening to Rowing in Color this morning, um, another podcast, and I think that recruiting, we have so many amazing athletes here in the U.S., and picking up on making rowing a more diverse sport. Um, our Shea Cooper talked about going to uh, churches to recruit, um, and I think thinking of more innovative ways to get people interested in rowing, seeing you know, more people of color in the sport, I think is a good way to go. Man, you touched on it perfectly. I know that's going to be a point Mike's going to bring up here soon. It's, it's not necessarily identifying the talent. It's getting more talent in our, in our little sport of rowing. We just don't have a lot, right? It's not a national sport. We're ranked 55th as, a, as the most popular sport. It drives me crazy, someone who's in the industry all the time. John, uh, we're going to bring you on here. I'd love to get your, your point of view. Now, listen, you have to make up at a minimum four points, all right? You, like, you're behind the eight ball, buddy boy. John, you know the question. You're on the clock. Um, yeah, I mean, I totally agree that 
um, broader talent pool is always needed and, and better identification is needed. But I think if you're talking about using the athletes we have at the moment, I think it's really important, like as a country, we could do a much better job of technical development on a national level and having a, having more of a national style that, um, you know, if you look at any, any German, German junior rower or British junior rower, or Dutch junior rower, there's a style that they're taught at a very young age that once they're brought up into U23s, into seniors, that you get in a boat with any guy and, and you know exactly what you're trying to do technically. And in my opinion, that's where, that's where the, you know, fractions of a second start adding up and where we're missing things at the moment. Um, so I really think that could be taught from a very young age and just there can't be so many different schools of thought on how to move a boat. If we're going to be successful at the highest level, it has to be more uniform. And then secondly, I think, um, body balance and injury prevention stuff is, is the most important thing as far as retention of athletes. And you can have the most talented guys, but, um, and until we're teaching junior athletes, how to take care of their bodies and college athletes, how to take care of their bodies and, stay healthy through the, uh, you know, the rigors of time. Ah, John, you're on a roll. I just want to <laughs> give you more time, but dude, you know, there's so, he brought up an interesting point and I'm kind of, I don't know how I feel about it. It's a more nationalized style of rowing. I don't know how that's going to be really difficult um, given the size of our country and the diversity that we do have in our sport. Um, but I, I like, I do like where your head's at a little bit. I, I guess a question that I need you to think about as you're off air here is do we need to pull you did two sports in college do we need to pull more athletes from other sports like soccer is a fall sport do we get more kids that are soccer players into our sport for year-round training uh think about that but mike you're on you're up now this is a, a topic that you and i have talked about extensively together um you know the question you're on the clock all right, so we'll start with the high school coach. Um, you know, I don't think there's a lot you can do in terms of X's and O's um, to create Olympians. Your high school accolades, like Luke mentioned, are not a direct path to the Olympics. Some of that's just because, you know, the field gets more competitive deep, and some of it is because of what you shouldn't be doing as a high school coach, which is overtraining kids, burning kids out. Um, you need to make it fun. You need to make it fast. Teach them the mechanics and get them excited about the sport. You want enthusiasm in the sport. And you want to bring as many athletes into the sport. Just because you're rowing doesn't mean you're an athlete. Just because you're playing a sport doesn't mean you're an athlete. You want to make this engaging for real athletes. Um, I think the college level becomes a little closer to the pipeline. Um, I think the, the amount of hours you can train in the NCAA are there for a reason. They, that helps protect the burnout. Uh, but one thing I want to touch on is, is the relationship between the national team and the coaches. That rapport has to be one of trust and, and one of belief. Mm. Uh, you know, I trust Chris Chase and, and Casey Galvanic. So CRF kids are going to support the national team. If, if my kids were coming home saying they were hurt and overtrained, I wouldn't send my kids there. Uh, I want to read a quote for you guys that I got from um, a girl who rode for my program and then just recently came out of the U23 program talking about their coach, Kevin Sowers. Um, she said, I wrote this down. Um, she said, it's rare to row for somebody who's that good of a coach while at the same time, such a genuinely great person. He pushed me hard, but at no point in time did I not feel he genuinely cared about me and my well-being more than the result. And for anyone who thinks that's a soft way to, to think about it, they won the last two summers, they won two bronzes and a gold. So it's not like they were out there being all hokey. They were kicking butt. Um, 
if my athlete's coming back from a national team program like that, that's, I'm going to say, 100% go back. And I, I want to support you going. Time. Man, Wallen, nice work. Um, I gave an extra 10 seconds because you did read a really great quote from an athlete. And we all want to hear what athletes have to say. I, <laughs> Luke's laughing, but <laughs> I had to give it to him. Um, I had 10 seconds to spare from the first round. <laughs> that's true. So we get back from work from our sponsors. We're going to see who moves on and who doesn't. Uh, so stay tuned uh, here in a couple seconds. back now you know off the commercial break uh we we acknowledge that john is just losing right now uh and he tried to bow out a little bit and then grace said i'll bow out we're going no 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 this is a competition okay so we're keeping everybody on and it, it you know we, we we addressed it the old dogs you know air quotes here if you're listening to the podcast version of this is luke luke and mike were training in the late 90s early 2000s at a very very high level luke went on to race at the olympics and john and grace are doing it right now so guys in this coach is yelling the format's fairly simple we're going to put on the clock about four or five minutes this is us at a bar having a conversation and i want to talk about what can we do in the u.s to improve on our olympic system but let's talk about the differences of the 90s late to early 2000s and then today like John specifically you're on your own in Boston right kind of training on your own Grace is in a system in Princeton like those are two distinct differences yet you're still representing the U.S. on our own Olympic team or hopefully Olympic team and national team so I'm going to start the clock guys and uh the floor is open let's do it let's go let's start talking well Mike? I should probably clarify that I'm actually currently very very lucky to be training with uh the uh, the Jevy group, Jevy and Company, um, in Boston, and and I think you know they're they're a very good um, part of the reason I've enjoyed training with them so much is because of um, I think Jevy and her dad Greg's um, you know the type of group they've put together um, over you know all the lessons they've learned over the course of Jevy's um, Jevy's career, and I think I think that was that was something I was going to touch on was that. Um, I've been very fortunate to have two older brothers that have rode at the elite level and made mistakes and had successes. And, and I think one thing I wanted to say was that I think as long as you're honest and paying attention and, and deciding to learn from your mistakes, you can always improve. And I think that's something that I really enjoy about the sport. And I think something that Jevy is particularly great at is that, you know, you might, you might lose a race, you might not be where you want to be, but if you're, learning a lesson from that and then coming back to you know coming back home and tweaking things a little bit changing the training a little bit or um changing how you're rowing a little bit to find a little bit of improvement like that's that's how you get faster and i think as long as you're honest and and uh kind of like open to making changes like you'll never go backwards um how does that compare luke to the 2000s like the early well, i love it i love the statement that's just made because like if you want to sum, up, sum it up in like just a soundbite it's failure isn't fatal right it's just mm -hmm. sort of learning to fail is an integral process of becoming a better rower and you know we i think we were talking a little bit off air what you know what is it to be a high school rower and make the jump to college and a lot of that is putting yourself out there 
and, and being aware that there are no guarantees. There's no guarantee in the recruiting process. There's no guarantee in making the varsity. There's no guarantee in making an Olympic team. There's no guarantee in winning a medal. Um, and it's how far do you want to extend yourself and how much risk do you want to take working to get a reward? What is, you know, what does that look like? So, um, you know, failure isn't fatal, I think is a, is a big thing to help high school athletes recognize that, you know, in moving forward, you're, you're going to have to do some things that might, um, have a potential for failure or a potential for success based on how you approach them. Luke, I'll take you one up. I think failure is necessary. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I personally, I was cut from the 2012 team. Um, mm. And, you know, I think everyone at some point in their life has lost maybe once. Um, and each of those failures, I think provide an opportunity to get, get faster. Every time you level up, you start at the junior rowing, move your way up to college, move your way up if you're pursuing the national team. Um, you have to have two things. You have to have the passion and the talent. And without either of those, you can't move up to the next level. I think earlier when we were talking about burnout, um, that passion piece, I think, is something that you can reignite. And John was talking about mixing it up with a different training group. Finding that right chemistry is really important. And I think that's something that's probably held true, um, you know, early rowing to training today. Um, but big differences too. I mean, what's critical for me in my training, we talked about this during the break, is being on top of your um, like physical prep and mental prep. Um, in Princeton, we have access to a physical therapist that we can see once or twice a week. Um, and that is huge. Um, doing like yoga and uh, a little bit of cross training um, is something that I've learned as I've gone up in the sport. It's really important that I stay on top of body work. Um, do like, like a big warm up, um, you know, like 30 minutes of warm up, do like a 10 minute jog, some um, dynamic body work um, that I, when I was high schooler, I had no idea. I would like take off. I was in Michigan, like we'd be running in the freezing cold and I'd take off like my winter jacket and I'd just start running and we'd do our cross training and then I'd put it back on and jump back in the car and that would be it and just get back uh, to homework. Um, so I think that the, the prep, you know, you have more time once you devote like your life to training for the Olympics and you figure out what are those areas that you can tweak. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think if you're not, I mean, being comfortable with failure, absolutely. Like if, show me somebody who's never failed and I'll show you somebody who's slow, right? Show me somebody who uh, PRs on every erg test and I'll show you somebody with a really bad erg score. I mean, like the, the better you get, um, the more you have to flirt with that. I heard a story about Jake Wetzel that really broke my heart, which, um, was that he would go on the erg. I mean, this was while we were in college, me and Luke both erg next to this guy a bunch. Once a week, he would just pick a workout that he was going to fail on, not telling any of us this. And uh, he would intentionally just see like how bad he could get in the middle of a piece and how he would react. And like, he was doing that on his own in secret. Meanwhile, that was the one day a week I would beat Jake on the erg. So I was going home super excited that I beat Jake on the erg. And then I find out years later that he was basically just toying with all of us um, but um, yeah and I'd like to see a little more structure around like the, the issues we're talking about high school level what do you do junior level what do you do college level what do you do I feel like so much of what we get is you know an article from an Olympian and it's really fun to read but it just doesn't really apply to like a 16 year old and if our job is to get more athletes in the sport you know you got them splitting hairs worried about these things that are you know deciding the difference between an Olympic bronze and fourth place when in reality, like that's not really that relevant to their development level. It's not really that relevant to the lesson they need to be learning now. Um, and 
And that is just, hey, let's, let's, let's love this sport. Because if you're going to get to the Olympics, you've got a long way to go. No one hops out of the CRF varsity eight and hops right into USA. That doesn't happen. John, let me, let me ask you this, John. If you had your two brothers that guided you and you got to watch them go through that, how would you have known what to do in training and where to go and, and how to get yourself prepared to the level that you're rowing? Like, that's kind of what I'm talking about. Like, I'm wondering, like, what do we need to do as young, as coaches to prepare our athletes? Because we're not all lucky enough to have the background that you have. Absolutely. Yeah, I would say if, you know, without them, I wouldn't, definitely wouldn't be doing what I'm doing and definitely not doing to the level or degree at which I'm doing it. And I think, um, and yeah, I think that's, that's something that happens gradually over time is like, building off of those experiences and like you're absolutely right that yeah not everyone has that and I think yeah I don't know I think I think approach uh, having a more like for me growing up like I was I was always, I loved soccer like for me I looked up to you know the best players in the world and I, I think for me I was always so motivated having you know learning learning from people's example and I think that's one of the most powerful things you can have as a high school or middle school athlete is like seeing someone who's doing it the right way and coaches having a model, um, you know, a model athlete, like who they can point to and say like, Hey, you know, this guy's rowing the way we want you to row. He's taking care of his body in the way that we want you to. And, and then they can say like, Oh, wow. Like that's man, that's so cool. Like, grace is you know wow she she's a olympian like or she's an olympic medalist like wow that's like how i want to act and how i want to like um carry myself and and i think at least for me that's that's always been kind of the most powerful way to get through to an athlete and um and i think kind of takes care of um yeah, like it, maybe it's not, you know, you don't have an older brother, but you do have, you do have someone, yeah, just a role model to. Um, we just don't do that as a sport. I look back at it like we're not, we don't do a great job of that, of identifying the path you should take or could take and, or, or promoting the athletes that are doing it and using them as examples. Like you well, they, all know who yeah. the best soccer players are and we know their paths because they're publicized about it all the time right i think we could do i think like you know i think national team athletes you know we could do a better job of being more open about things that have worked for us or haven't worked for us and and having yeah we're working with um yeah or maybe it's us rowing like having an avenue for that type of conversation to happen more more often um well, I, I want to I I sort of redirect this with Luke and Grace. So, you know, we talked about the transition from high school to college. What has been the one biggest thing that was different from college to the Olympic level of training, aside from the passion and, and, and the skill? Like, what is the biggest change? Well, I would want to answer that question, but I kind of want to go back to just what we were talking about. You no. know, we were talking about kind of coming up in the generation that, that Wallen and I rode in, we didn't talk about our feelings. We didn't talk about how we felt about it. We didn't talk about what we were dealing with internally. And now that's something that has advanced and something that's come to the forefront of training young men and women in this day and age. And I think it's an important conversation, but I also think if we're talking about what high school coaches can do to help their high school athletes, it's to, understand that the world is a place with hard edges and to 
dive into the mental and emotional wellness of their athletes and work with them to equip them with the tools necessary to deal with the real world. And one of the things that I always talk to parents about is how beautiful is rowing that it's a sport with all these life lessons, hard edges, black and white, wins and losses. Uh, there are no superstars. You don't lose a race and say, but I pull 555, so I'm a great rower. You know, you win with your team, you lose. Time management, the list kind of goes on and on. And how beautiful is it that high school athletes can engage this and learn these lessons that then they can take into the real world. And I think we've joked about it in previous shows. And if we haven't, you know, it, you get to the real world and you look around and you realize, wait, not everybody's in my corner supporting me, you know, like not everybody wants to see me succeed. And so I think as high school coaches, we can have a profound effect working with athletes to identify what their insecurities are or their hangups that are preventing them from, like we said, reaching to fail and accepting failure as a possibility. And then how do we help promote that and develop a skill set so when they get to the collegiate team, they're able to compete, like Mike was saying earlier, some people thrive in that environment, some people wash out. And if and now to answer your question, what is it to jump to, you know, Olympic training? It's sink or swim. It's sink or swim. It, you're there, you are you are competing against the very best athletes in the nation. There are very few spots. Everybody wants them. You're all going after the same thing. And it, it's about what can you do to continue to move forward in that environment. And one of the things that Kerry Simmons talks about all the time is big picture mentality. Big picture, you don't live and die by every result. It's big picture, what are you doing to continue to move yourself forward? So as high school coaches, what can we do to equip athletes to have a better big picture understanding, to be able to deal with insecurities, hang up and failure, so that they can continue to move forward and they can truly understand where they finish. I joked about the fact that I was a mid-level Olympic guy. I'm so comfortable with that because that was the best I was going to do. And I can tell everybody right now, today, that was it. That was my pinnacle. And I know that because I pushed myself as much as I could. I extended as far as I could. And that's where I ended up. And I'm fine with that. Would I have loved a medal? Sure. Who, who doesn't want a medal? Did I deserve it? Nope. Am I okay with that? Yes. That's what it's about at any level, high school, college, Olympic level. That's what yeah. it's about. Luke, you're killing it right now. I couldn't, I didn't want to interrupt you. I mean, you're just on a roll right now. But, uh, you know, I, just for people listening, uh, Grace, can you please, from the women's perspective, from what you're doing, like with that team, with the national team there, what is the biggest difference from the Stanford to the, to the upper level Olympic training? Like, what was the big change that you noticed? Okay, when I first started the sport of rowing, no one told me this, and this is like the number one misunderstanding I had. I thought that the more you trained, like it, the easier it would feel, and like you'd just get faster and you'd get more fit, and all of a sudden 2Ks would be painless. So heads up, that's not true. You just get to go faster. <laughs> um, but I think from, so I was, uh, did the U23 team when I was in college and actually was on the national team um, and took a semester from afar. Um, and raced with the U.S. team down in New Zealand. But the difference between doing like a part-time stint with the U.S. squad versus full-time training, all of a sudden um, everything is focused on rowing. Like you have morning until night, it's like your nutrition, your, your recovery, your prep, um, and you don't necessarily have that balance um, with having another thing going on because practice times will change. 
Um, I mean, I know the men's team, like they have the opportunity to have um, a full-time job and practice is set up that way. It's not necessarily that way on the women's team, but um, I mean, they're, the women's team is very successful. Like I think putting all your eggs in one basket um, and still having some mental balance with some of that, um, th that's a big shift. My, my, my hat goes off to everyone at the national level. I don't know, John, Grace, I don't know how you do it. I mean, you really, it's impressive. You're representing the country very well. I could never do what you're doing. It's just, that's just something I could never commit to. Uh, after a word from our quick sponsor here, um, we are gonna identify the winner and we're gonna say our final goodbyes. So more from us in a couple seconds. Hey guys, it's Luke from Rower Academy, where we give you the information, tools, and training you need to successfully navigate the college recruiting process. Check us out at roweracademy.com and start training for your future today. We're back and uh, I'm not gonna delay this. And Luke, you win. And you win because you redirected the conversation. You did a fantastic job identifying and answering every question. And I know you keep thinking that you're like the back of the pack guy. No, 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 no. You're secretly moving your way into these victories. You're back-to-back -back victories. Congratulations today. But in fourth, our final device, John Graves. John, first time on the show. I hope to have you back. Closing, <laughs> closing conversation here, man. You got 20 seconds to say uh, your final words. Yeah, I mean, this has been super fun. I I did want to dovetail into what Luke was talking about and just saying that, like, I totally agree with, um, like, his philosophy in general, just as far as, like, if there's one thing we can impart to um, anyone pursuing rowing, whether they have Olympic aspirations or not, it's just, like, that, like, the, the pursuit of quality and your potential and just, like, bringing quality to everything you're doing mm -hmm. is something that, whether it's in rowing or... or anything else is something that will really benefit like any community you're you're involved with so like yeah I, I really i really believe in just like yeah luke you've never won the olympics and i don't think i will either but the pursuit of my potential is something that i think that pursuit in general is something that will bring a lot of great stuff out of you and um yeah just like um, it's not just one thing. It's like every, you know, the pursuit of a uh, more wholesome um, approach to just like your, your absolute best. So I think that's wonderful. And uh, I really hope that people that are watching can learn something from what you just said, uh, admitting that you're not, you probably won't win the Olympics, but you just love the journey. It's a big deal, man. And I think that's what most rowers feel anyway. Uh, in a very close third, Grace Luzak, you did a great job today. Um, I, last words here. Go ahead. Uh, well, I think I just want to tell like all junior rowers and college rowers, um, definitely like continue to develop that passion and connect with your teammates. I know right now it's pretty hard because everyone's training separately and probably on Zoom calls, <laughs> connecting by the ERG. Um, so just reach out, connect with each other. That's the big part of rowing is the, the teamwork and the camaraderie. So um, I think continue to connect and try and bring more people into our sport. Um, you've got friends in, uh, in college and your classes that are looking for something to do, bring them into the sport and have them give it a try. Well, like you said earlier too, you listen to the uh, um, Rowing in Color podcast and that's a great start. And I love that you, you promoted them here today and talked about them, you're listening to it. Uh, that's, I, I completely agree with you on that. Um, in second, Mike Wallen, I mean, look, 
you had the victory going in the last statement until Luke closed it out, and you didn't even try to stop him. Walked through. He walked through. Hey, he was doing great work, man. I couldn't. Uh, <laughs> it was like the 2001 uh, or 2002 trials in the four, right, Luke? When you walked through. <laughs> okay. Yep. Um, no, I, I don't know if this was one of our more entertaining shows, but I think it was one of the most helpful ones. Um, Hopefully. You know, just, you know, thank you guys for, for saying what you're saying. Uh, Grace talking about all that extra training doesn't make it. I, I just think juniors in general need that message. So many of them hear what an Olympian's doing and then try to jump right to that step. And it's not, it's not the right progress. You got you to level up uh, in the right way. And, and to Luke's point and to the, the coaching style, you know, I, th I think understanding your athletes and, and knowing what they need is, is absolutely a necessary uh, quality in a good coach today. You can't have that 90s model of everybody get on board and shut up and do it. It just doesn't work. Like the athletes don't respond to that. And you need to, you need to look at them as individuals and, and assess what they need and, and how to develop them. Um, and yeah, I really hope people from coaching and, and athletes can take a lot away from that. Um, and I, I've seen it work as a coach, so I'm fully behind it. And great job to Luke. Well, thank you, Mike, and great job to you. But Luke Walton, the winner, I love it. Go ahead, man. You, you, you carried us through the last round. Let's, let's hear it. I mean, you know, I'm always amazed when I win. This is my second win. Uh, I have a, a tremendous amount of losses on this show, if you will. But I guess that, you know, speaks to what we've been talking about all along in this show, which is just the consistent pursuit of the craft, right? You keep showing up. I, you know, you asked me to be on the show. I'm here. I'm just not like, oh, I've lost it so many times. I'm not showing up, you know, and I'm super competitive. Like, I want to be here to win. It's, 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 you know, it's why we're here. So, so I think that's one thing is, is, you know, you need to be persistent, pursue your craft daily and come off the water each day. As Gladstone would say, come off the water each day with no regrets, no regrets. All you can do is all you can do on that day. Give everything you have, put it away, do it again tomorrow. And you'll find out just how far you can go in rowing. And you can be certain wherever you end up, that's where you're supposed to be. Oh, perfect. Now, what a way to close out. This is Alex Del Sordo with Another Coaches Yelling, episode 15. I hope you enjoyed watching. Uh, and more from us here coming up, episode 16 next week. Thanks for watching. I had the opportunity to um, watch... Jamie Coben and Akil Abdullah race when I was like 10 years old or like nine years old. And I think to me, I was like, you know, those guys were as cool as Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, you know? It's good to know you were nine. I was training with Akil, so it's <laughs> great. I was alongside him and you know, now at 41. And Luke I participated. You <laughs> I participated at the Olympics. It's true. I was a participant. It needs someone to finish soundly in the middle to the bottom of the pack at every level, every event, the show, the Olympics, you name it. That's my role. It's what I do. I'm so good at it.